For my first day in the office this last week, I turned on the radio as I was heading through Berkeley. And after some of the requisite updates on the mayhem of national politics, and then on the wars and protests all around the globe, and then the, the necessary update on the economic pressures of living in the Bay Area, a, uh, a short story came on the station of one man and his neighbors just a little ways northwest of here, up in Sebastopol. His name was Andrew. And he spoke about being evacuated from his home a few weeks ago while the Kincaid fire was still raging very nearby. And he told about coming home, still in the smoke, still without power. He was clearly grateful that his home was still standing. He sounded remarkably understanding of the moral quandary that PG&E had faced. And he was also forthright about the mess that the outage had caused for his community. That night, after emptying all the spoiled food out of his refrigerator, Andrew walked down through the pitch black as the winds kicked up again to a neighbor's house where there was a generator running. Apparently, this neighbor was sharing his fridge space uh, for those who had perishables that could still be saved. And people began gathering there. A little while later, a neighbor arrived who had been staying in a shelter for evacuees. Overwhelmed by the stress of the week, made worse by sitting alone in her dark home, she had come to find her neighbors. It was there, with them, that she sat down on the floor and sobbed. It struck me, listening to this story, that, that this woman, all these neighbors actually, this whole community, they were living precisely what Jesus describes in today's gospel. I can't count how many times I've heard people describe scenes from these wildfires as apocalyptic. And here we are with, with Jesus foretelling just that, offering his disciples this apocalyptic vision for what is to come. It's grim. It's harrowing. Following Jesus is not for the faint of heart. These, these disciples will then be subjected not just to the, the war and the natural disasters that pervade common life, but also to systemic oppression and to persecution on account of that faithfulness and to the splintering of their families. So where's the good news in this gospel? Where's the hope? 
At, at first hearing, I confess, it can be difficult to find. For starters, it may be helpful to open up a little of how this idea of apocalypse was experienced back in Jesus' day. See, in his time, this kind of storytelling, it was a whole genre. It's referred to as apocalyptic literature. So much of how this genre is portrayed today is as a prediction or a forecast along the lines of something like the Left Behind series. It's taken to describe often in really distressing terms how some people imagine what the end of all things will look like. And there was an element of that understanding in Jesus' time, but it was so much more than that. This kind of teaching wasn't just about what might come at some point down the line. It, it stood to describe what they were already experiencing right then. It sought to address this sense of already and not yet that so often accompanies God's movement in the world. That God is active and present and yet God's realm is still unfolding. There's a way of getting really honest and shedding light on their present reality. That is the essence of the apocalypse that Jesus speaks of. The word means simply an unveiling, a revealing. It's about showing the truth of a situation the reality of what is and what is to come. It may not be rosy or pleasant or easy, but there is beauty, Jesus seems to be saying, in pulling back the curtain and engaging our reality together. In Still smoky Sebastopol, standing in the kitchen with the, the generator humming in the background that night, it seems that there was a bit of apocalypse. In the common sense of the word, yes, as destruction threatened these neighbors from all sides. But more than that, in the truth that was revealed as they sat together. Andrew recounted how neighbors gathered with this weeping woman, joining her on the floor, consoling her, making tea, offering her food. Someone got up and, and grilled an Angus steak that had been sitting on ice for a few days. Someone else cooked up chard they had picked from the backyard garden in the dark. They fed their friend. Some more neighbors arrived, and as Andrew described it, it, it became a kind of mid-apocalypse party. He recounted how they reassured their grief-stricken neighbor that she was safe, that they were lucky to even have this home with a generator, with power, 
But in saying that, something seemed to click for him, an unveiling. But then I realized, Andrew continued, she may have been the most powerful one of all. If not for her, we would all have been sitting alone in our darkened homes. If not for her, we would not all have come together. Yes, it was the generosity of this man with the generator who first brought people to the same house. But it seems that their intention was to just drop their food in the fridge and then go back home alone. This woman acknowledged the fullness of the situation with an honest and raw vulnerability. She inspired the others to draw near to one another. I don't know what this man's faith is or what he practices, if anything. But as I heard this story, I was struck by his courage in testifying to the good, to the hope, to the even generator-wrought light in the midst of such fear and destruction. It may not have been where he began that day or how he planned to react, but it was how he ultimately responded with care and compassion with an undeniable commitment to being kin, even, maybe especially, in these very dark times. My mind returned again to Jesus' encouragement that we testify to the wisdom of God's goodness and that in this endurance, we will be made whole. We will gain our souls. Friends, this is just as true today as it was in Jesus' time. In the midst of pain and fear and strife, we are called to look towards the light and bear witness to it. We are called to look for where care can be extended, where kindness could be offered, where a greater good could be made manifest among us. And we are called to give voice to that grace, even and especially as, as fires burn, as impeachment hearings threaten or tempt us to turn against each other, as school shootings continue rampant, on and on. This witness to the light does not serve to whitewash the pain of our reality. Because remember, the apocalypse is a revealing of what is most true. It is the act of facing our shared reality. We come together in the communion of that kitchen floor. Food spoiled, smoke lingering, just wrecked by what has been. Jesus invites us to enter into what is absolutely real together, to engage this unveiling by living and working and praying together. And yes, 
by choosing to celebrate in the midst of this raw reality. Even there, we can speak to the grace that is present and tether ourselves to that hope.